0: All right, uh, I'll be taking your questions on Facebook or on Twitter if you want to tweet them at me. And uh, looking here, we have a couple already. But first, we always kick off the week with a look at the top commitments of the week. Uh, it's been a big-time week for Alabama. Um, all right, start recording. Uh, in fact, the Tide today just picked up a four star linebacker, uh, Markel Benton, out of Phoenix City Central. Uh, Markel is a kid I got to see a couple times. I've seen him at Florida State Camp. I think I saw him at Florida one time, and I saw him again at uh, at the Atlanta Nike Camp. And, kid, for his size, he moves really well. He's got to be close to 240 pounds and, uh, and is, is a really impressive looking player. When he moves, especially relative to the fact that he has a little bit of bad weight on him, I, I, I think Markel Benton, who is rated as, as, I'm guessing, he's rated as like a top 150 kid. I don't really pay a whole lot of attention to ratings this early in the year, but uh, an impressive looking kid. And as he loses some more bad weight, I think he could be really good in that Alabama defense. The, the thing here that that got me was when when you look at at just how how hard Auburn recruited him. I mean, I I know my sources at Florida State sources at Alabama for a long time thought that Benton was going to go to Auburn. And he went to Big Cat Weekend uh, just a couple days ago, and, and I know Auburn folks felt pretty good. And then he takes one final return trip to Tuscaloosa and uh, ends up with the Tide. Pretty good history of linebackers there at the Tide. I know Auburn folks are, are pretty angry about that one because they have a lot of playing time to offer. And right now he's just not uh, – he apparently wants to go to Alabama – over Auburn Air. So a, a little bit surprising. Um, I'm getting an email here. Somebody's trying to G chat me and it goes on my phone. And I, it just keeps distracting me. All right. Uh, I'm going to tweet out the link here for our Facebook live taking some questions we just got done talking about Markel Benton the four-star linebacker uh, who committed to Alabama over Auburn this morning at 11 p.m. Cent- or 11 a.m. central ceremony uh, all right oh cool they already uh, already tweeted out the links I got a little retweet action on that uh, Markel Benton we already talked about him Elliot Baker a, a really interesting story a kid with with very few offers coming out of high school didn't have the academics to get into a four-year college. Goes to a JUCO out there in San Francisco. Becomes the number one rated JUCO offensive tackle in the country. JUCO is junior college, for you folks listening who don't know. Uh, Elliott Baker ends up committing to Alabama. That's really big because Cam Robinson, regardless of what happens with, with the whole uh, marijuana and gun charge, he's probably going to go pro. I mean, he, he's rated as one of the top offensive tackles in the draft for the cl- or for the upcoming draft class of 2017. And when you look at that, L.A. Baker is a player uh, who is talented enough to come in and start for Alabama right away as a junior college transfer, so a- another nice get for the tie this week. I know it feels like I'm talking all Alabama, but uh, the-, the commitments and-, and what happens with the kids really kind of dictates what I talk about, and we always lead the podcast off with the top commitments of the previous week. Mac Jones is the third one, and Kentucky fans are probably still a little uh, little salty about this one. Um, Commits to Kentucky. Mac Jones is a quarterback out of Jacksonville, Florida. I've been really high on him for a long time. I didn't understand why other kids in the state were rated as, as better quarterbacks uh, because I felt like Jones was pretty close physically to a lot of his other kids, and, and he was more mobile uh, than some. And, and I certainly thought he was more accurate, and just more of a natural passer than some. And, and credit to Kentucky's coaching staff for going and and getting on Jones early and making sure that, that, that they did their scouting. And they got an early offer, and they got an early commitment from Mac Jones, your, your four-star quarterback, uh, out of Jacksonville. Unfortunately for Kentucky, uh, they're still Kentucky. And it's hard to hold a commitment for, for that long if you're Kentucky, especially when a school like Alabama comes calling. So Mac Jones uh, finally took his visit to Alabama, really enjoyed it, and flipped his commitment. Even though Alabama already has a commitment, from uh, four-star quarterback, uh, Tua Tagovailoa, from Honolulu, St. Louis High School, the same high school that Marcus Mariota went to. A- interesting choice there uh, for him to go and do that. But uh, I, I he kind of fits more of a prototypical Alabama-style quarterback, whereas Tua is more perhaps what Alabama is moving towards uh, with, with more of the mobile style, having seen their recruiting over the past few years. But in the back of your mind, are, are you truly convinced Sabin is going to fully commit to going with mobile quarterbacks? I'm not so sure. Uh, he's had a lot of success with guys like like, like Greg McElroy, um, uh What's his name? The, the other kid who, who won the national title for them over, over Notre Dame. Uh, and, and Mac Jones really fits that mold. Smart, accurate, good with the football. Uh, and I know kids like to play for him. I, I've seen guys really bust their butts uh, playing for him on their seven-on team shout out to a uh, pro impact there in Jacksonville. And then the final uh, kid ready to stop talking about Alabama, uh, is Brett Nealon. Uh, he's a center, or, uh, gosh, USC ended up beating out a number of top schools for him. One of the three or four best centers in the country. So very, uh, very nice get there for USC, who is, uh, you know, maybe not had the best years on the field of late, but, but the recruiting has not dropped off much at all. And if they finally get it together on the field, um, well, then they'll, they'll have the talent to do so. All right, got some A.J. McCarron. Thank you. Yeah, one of the guys in the comments section uh, said, hey, uh, the kid's name you were looking for was A.J. McCarron. All right. Uh, I'm not sure what happened there. All right. Okay. Had a little, rec- little bug on the recording thing. Uh, other old business, it looks like Kendall Jones, it's been reported that he will not uh, qualify for uh, Alabama. That's really disappointing, I'm going to talk about that in a minute just as far as the, the uh, Major League Baseball system compared to the NFL system. Kendall Jones, for y'all don't know, big-time nose tackle, four-star, 360, 370-pound kid out of Texas, and, and now he's going to have to go to a junior college because he didn't qualify for a four-year college, it's, it's being uh, being reported, so... Uh, get a lot of questions here. I'll try to get to as many as I can as soon as I run through this other business here. Uh, things I wrote about this week. Contract extensions for Gus Malzahn and Jim Mora. Uh, there's been a lot of folks that say, hey, if you extend a person's contract, it, it's going to help you with recruiting because it takes away some of the ammunition that could be used uh, negatively on the recruiting trail um, by, by teams saying, hey, look, why do you want to go commit for this coach? If he if he doesn't have a four year contract, he, he's not even under contract for the time that you're going to be there. Um, I think there's some merit to that, but at the same time, you have to gauge how much extra buyout money do you want to pay. I, now, Jim Jim Moore and Gus Malzahn's situations are not the same. Moore has done a great job so far at UCLA. Um, closure blinds and curtains. That window's super bright. All right, we can do that. Uh, or. it had uh, been raining so sorry about that um, oh so on the uh, the topic of contracts and and coaches, I do think it matters some that you have a contract that, that goes for all four years uh, but but at the same time I don't think it really helps necessarily that much it, it's just it's it's a way to take a bullet uh, away from the ammunition of opposing recruiters. Next topic I want to talk about real quick, and I'll give Rivals some uh, um, some praise on this. Should you, as a recruiting agency, bump a kid's rating if you haven't seen him just because other places are doing it? In the gambling world, we call this moving on air, right? You see all these other casinos moving a gambling line. You feel something's up, and so you move to clone that, that line. Uh, but in the recruiting world, I don't think the same thing should be done. And I'm going to give Rivals credit here. There were a number of kids that, that got moved by other services, but Rivals and Mike, Mike Farrell, their uh, their chief guy, uh, said, look, I'm not going to move a kid unless I've seen him, and if it makes us late, it makes us late. That's fine. Uh, w- we see some other kids before other people do, and I'm not trying to endorse Rivals or endorse any other side here. I think they all do a fine job, uh, especially in different areas of the country, but yeah, I, I do think it's it's very smart not to fall into this, this echo chamber trap and, and just try to clone what everybody else has, because then it eliminates a lot of the chance for actual evaluation and for independent thought. The final thing I wanted to talk about this week before I get to y'all's questions, and we certainly have some great questions rolling in, please be sure to, to keep fire nose off, is that last night was the first round of the NFL draft, or the the Major League Baseball draft. and. And, look, and watching it, and watching all, all the prep and stuff, I I didn't see anybody talk about grades, qualifying, education, test score, none of that stuff. All this stuff that these football players have to worry about, and as a result, if they don't do well at, they, they get labeled as dumb. In pro baseball, that doesn't matter. You can get drafted right out of high school. But in college football... Because the NFL and college football collude to have a pretty nice little system here where the NFL doesn't have a minor league system and it's able to have college football develop all its talent. Uh, And in turn, college football doesn't have to pay its labor force, being the players, and so it's able to pay its coaches a boatload of money and have ridiculous facilities. Uh, The people who get screwed are are the recruits. And and certainly there is some value to be taken away from a college education. But, you know, if your God-given gift is football and not book smarts, and that's that's fine. Everybody's got different gifts in this world. You know, you should be able to go and make a living, especially if you're in a position that has a very short shelf life, like a running back. You should be able to make a living just fine doing that immediately at 18. A guy like Leonard Fournette or Dalvin Cook or Zeke Elliott, they would absolutely have got gotten major burn in the NFL at age 18. But instead, they're giving away three of their most profitable years Essentially, for free, when you compare it to their to their value uh, of what similarly talented guys get paid in the NFL once they're eligible, they got to go to college for three years, or they got to sit out for three years because the NFL says, and this is the result of the uh, Maurice Claret case, you have to wait three years after your high school graduating class is over to go to the league, and I really don't feel like that's fair. In college or in in baseball, you get a chance to be drafted right out of high school. Baseball has to pay for its own. T- its own talent development being that the major leagues, and if they if you don't like where you're drafted, then you can choose to go to a junior college from which you're immediately eligible to be redrafted the next year, or you can choose to go to a university and that's your choice, and then you have to stay for at least three years there. But, um, Grady Green, a commenter on Facebook Live section, says that's why division athletes need to get paid. Duh, the MLB is predominantly uh, a bunch of ellipses, your guess is as good as mine. Along with tennis and golf, uh, let it be basketball and football. They got to go. Uh, seems like it's a long comment. There may be some sort of racial connotation there, which, which I don't necessarily disagree with. Um, although I'm not sure that that's the entire explanation uh, as to why the system is like it is. But you know, last night the top pick is going to get eight million dollars guaranteed. Why should it be that if you're good at baseball, you're a millionaire at 18, but if you're good at football, a much more dangerous sport with a shorter shelf life, you have to wait till you're 21? and roll the dice that, that you're going to actually stay healthy. That's that's pretty ridiculous to me. Uh, and then football players get the rap for being dumb. When you look at the stats, uh, football players actually have a higher percentage of college graduates than any of the other sports that we could find. And In fact, I think in 2012 or something, less than 5% of baseball players had college degrees. In the NFL, it's north of 40%. That's a big deal right there. Um, and, and something that I feel like, because their kids are forced to go to the college system, their failures in, ac- in, in, in academics are highlighted, like I just did here on the podcast with Kendall Jones, when they don't get in. And it really sucks for the kids who are real smart, or, or who are, are real talented, but pretty dumb, and they're just not really cut out for college, because the best development available for these kids is in college football. So if your book smarts, which have nothing to do with you playing football, keep you from getting the best development your game's going to suffer as well. That's why we try to preach to these kids and, and say, "Look, you have to understand this system's not real fair, but you got you have to, to do what you can do to get make sure you get into school." You know, if if your if your talent in life is football, you can't let academics hold you back. But unfortunately, the system definitely sets it up to where that can happen. Um, all right, let's get to some questions here first question uh, is, despite all the changes to the recruiting landscape and it says uh, social media, uh, satellite camps, TV, etc, aren't the same elite schools still cleaning up? Uh, the answer is yes. Um, college football is a, depending on your perspective, kind of a depressingly static sport right the, the same teams win the national championships all the time. It's incredibly difficult to go from from the middle. To the top, it almost never happens. Uh, there's very little reason to expect any team to do so. Uh, you know, a team like Oregon has been close, but they still couldn't. They still haven't won a national title. Michigan State hasn't won a national title in forever. They they've at least made the playoff, but it it's so hard to get there. And then once you get there, you're facing almost nothing but elite teams as well, with elite level talent. You know, take a school. I, don't, like, I was going to use Baylor, but that's, that's a whole different subject. Take a school like TCU, right? Kids growing up have known nothing but TCU being pretty good. But their parents and their parents' parents, they don't remember TCU like that. They remember TCU being not very good at all. TCU sucked for a lot of their parents' lifetimes. So the, not only do you have to ha- have a tradition, well, it helps to, that, that kids know is good, but also, how about their influencers? Their, what, what does their high school coach think of that school? What, what does their parents think of that school? What does what their, their grandma or, or, or their uncle, what do they think of that school? That's why it's so hard to move up in college football. In college football. It's a self-perpetuating cycle. It just just keeps on rolling. And that's why the, the big-time schools with the big traditions and the facilities and, and the video boards and the money, that's why they're able to bounce back so bad. You're like, oh, it better not fire that coach. It, it might, might set him back in recruiting. If it's one of those truly elite schools, those, those I don't know, 15 or 20, it's not going to hurt them that long they're, they're, because the, the resources and infrastructure are so in place to where the drop-off is really just not going to come. Uh, all right, got another question here. Uh, is it safe to say this is Watson's last year at Clemson? This is not really a recruiting question. Uh, I'm going to say yeah because I think that you're, you're pretty foolish if you don't turn pro and you can get top two or three round money. Uh, especially because you' college or because football careers due to the uh, physical and violent nature of the sport just seem to be so short. Um, could FSU pick up some big commitments at its camp? Their camps are coming up uh, middle of June and the middle of July it's certainly possible um, they, they seem to get a couple every year but they're also being very picky this year uh, and probably going to be a little bit smaller class than in previous cycles. So I don't look for them just to accept commitments from anybody. If it's a certain kid or two, sure. If Stanford Samuels, the five-star cornerback, wants to jump on, sure. If Marvin Wilson, your five-star defensive tackle out of Houston, wants to come, yeah, of course. Uh, Where do you see Cam Akers going? Cam Akers is a five-star running back out of Mississippi, or four or five-star, whatever they want to rank him. He's a stud. Uh, A lot of schools feel pretty good about it, actually. I think Ohio State likes their chances. I think Ole Miss thinks they're going to be in it at the end. Uh, I know Alabama will probably still be looking at them. I, I know Florida State thinks that they're going to be in it. The interesting thing is that Akers recently announced that he would not be deciding until much later in the cycle. So uh, I think making a pick on him right now for a kid who still has a lot of visits to take is, is kind, of, it's kind of fruitless. Uh, this one is from uh, Twitter. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter, at SBN Recruiting. Why can't Auburn win uh, heads-to-heads with Alabama anymore? They used to win some. Uh, This is a recruiting battle, and uh, this isn't really about Auburn, right? Now, yeah, is Auburn struggling some? Sure. Do do people look at Damian Craig leaving Auburn and think that that indicates there's something wrong with Auburn's program? Yeah, absolutely, because he took a lateral move to LSU, a school that, that came very close to firing its coach last year if you believe media reports. Uh, Derek, I'll, I'll get to that question. I, I just want to acknowledge that I just saw that one. Um, but look, Alabama beats everybody in recruiting. They've had, what, six or seven straight number one overall classes, and, and that happens when you have the best coach in college football, ridiculous facilities with a waterfall, and probably the best tradition in college football. It's just, when you have something rolling like that, it, it's, it's like those Yankees in the late 90s. It, it's just hard to beat, and people want to join up even if it's not the best spot for them, you know that. You see some kids picking Alabama. There's no doubt in my mind, because of the name and the coach. Even if it's not really the best situation to get playing time, the best fit for them, people fall in love with the name. I'll, I'll give you an example here. I thought there was a quarterback in the twenty twenty ten or twenty eleven cycle, Phillip Ely out of Tampa. I thought he was a a good college quarterback prospect, a good, undersized kid, but. Arm was okay, real accurate, bright kid, made good decisions, played from a powerhouse program there at Tampa Plant. I thought him picking Alabama was really kind of dumb. And I'm not trying to, to sit here and tell kids, do go to this school or don't go to that school. I'm not going to tell a kid where you should go. But five years later, I, I can comment on this. In my mind, I thought, that's a kid, and, and, and just me, that's a kid picking a, a school because of the name, Right? Not because of what it could do for him, not because of how his skills fit that school. I thought there is no way that he is ever going to be good enough to start at Alabama. And guess what? He never sniffed that job. He had, he transferred out to Toledo. So when you're picking a school, it is important to make sure that you pick one that fits you, uh, and not just because of the name. Here we go. Uh, from uh, Derek Schulte. If you're a lower program, what do you think you have to do? Uh, to go up to, at least in the middle, facilities, family, or coaches? Um, I think the quickest way to get up to the middle um, would probably be by hiring a, a, an up, up-and-coming coach who you can get to stay for four or five years, right? Like, mm, I don't know, somebody, who, uh, uh, give me an example in the comment section. My mind's kind of blank right now. If you get that, then you can get people who are in the community excited, and then you can get some booster donations which can help improve your facilities. Even if, in the back of your mind, you know this coach is probably just not going to stay there for the long term. It's hard to get up to the middle if you're a lower-tier program. Uh, yeah, Houston's not a bad example. They've, they've had a nice run of coaches. I mean, you had Kevin Sumlin, uh, and, and then ultimately you end up with... Uh, um, uh, what's his name? I, man, My mind's just blanking today. Uh, who, who is now Iowa State... Man, I feel like they're still kind of in the bottom, at least to the power of five. So I don't know if that's a great example. Houston's not, not a bad one uh, for a group of five school. Just consistently have made good coaching hires, and the facilities have improved. Exactly. Uh, next question here. Uh, what is your opinion of the Pac-12, and how dominant would they be if they made it to the college football playoff? Uh, you know, I really don't have a very high opinion of the Pac-12 this year, uh, because I feel like they have a really good... Um, I feel like they have a really good middle and a very good sort of middle top but they really lack that truly elite team at least in my opinion in the opinion of recruiting analysts in the opinion of of Vegas uh, who is your national championship contender from the Pac-12 do you think Oregon bounces back do you think Stanford uh, with McCaffrey can get it done they have a difficult schedule certainly do you really think USC is going to be in there I, I don't I still think they're going to lose three or four games that schedule is brutal and they have a lot of depth issues that are probably another another recruiting class away from uh, from being solved. Do, do you trust UCLA to take the next step? They, they certainly lost a good bit to the draft. I think the Pac-12 is a good league, but in college football, it's really tough to get respect as a league if you don't have a national championship contender. Uh, we can look at the 2000 late 2000s ACC, right? And we can say, hey... Man, they had a lot of NFL players on those teams. They had a lot of really good teams, but they didn't have a consistent national championship contender, and so the league got dogged over and over again. I, I think that that's very possible that that happens to the Pac-12 this year. And in fact, I wrote about that, I think, probably like three weeks ago, and said, hey, there are some comparisons here to be made. Now, I do think the Pac-12 is better than the ACC was last, or back then, but at the same time, there are some uh, some commonalities. Let us see here i uh, got two quick quick uh, shots here. Who you got, USC or Alabama? Uh, Alabama big. Uh, I don't think USC has the defensive line depth to handle what Alabama's going to throw at them up front. And that's just... it. If a favorite can do what a favorite wants to do and you don't make them be uncomfortable and play out and play outside their game plan, then I think you take the favorite. And Bama wants to run the football. I don't trust USC's defensive line depth there not to wear it out, so I'm going to take Alabama in that one. Uh, Chris Hayes asks... I know it's early, but who you take in week three in Norman, Ohio State, or Oklahoma? I I think Oklahoma. And if this game were played in like week 12, I would probably lean more towards Ohio State because I do have so much respect for how Urban Meyer has recruited there. Um, but because it's in Norman, which Bob Stoops has just been a tremendous record at, uh, and because Ohio State lost so much to the draft and it's so early, they are going to have a lot of kinks to work out. Um... Mike Tackett asks, do you see Miami being a true contender in two or three years? Uh, contender for the ACC, absolutely. A national title contender? We'll, we'll have to see. Uh, they certainly have a couple of advantages because Mark Brick is an excellent recruiter of quarterbacks, but Miami has not been a top 15 type recruiting team over the last like half decade or so, and they're going to have to prove that they can win elite or top recruiting battles against Florida, against Florida State, and against those schools that come in. And try to poach players like Calvin Ridley from South Florida. All right, uh, next question here: uh, Why isn't Oregon uh, pursuing Tate Martell? From what I understand, they may just not be that that into him. Um, Tate Martell, for those for those watching, who are maybe not big time college football recruiting fans, Martell is a five foot eleven, five foot ten and a half quarterback who's been on the recruiting radar for probably since it's like seventh grade or so. Uh, he's rated a 5-star a lot of places. I think he's more of a 4-star. I really don't necessarily want to give a 5-star tag to a quarterback who's that small uh, because I feel like part of his his game is that mobility. And when you're taking shots from much bigger guys in college, that stuff adds up. And I think your rating does need to include some sort of practical likelihood of injury risk assessment. Uh, that's, that's a good term. I should use that more. Alright, uh, next question here. Let me see. Sorry, guys. I'm just scrolling this a little bit. I don't know about Alabama's running back quarterback situation. All right. um, Dalvin Cook or Leonard Fournette? Uh, I think for one game, I would take Dalvin Cook. I feel like he's more explosive, although both are... Look, both are just truly amazing backs, and, and just, they're awesome. If I had to pick a guy to, like, start a team with, I would take Leonard Fournette because because Dalvin's been hurt a lot, and I want a guy I can count on to actually be there. Availability is an ability. Uh, what's your opinion on the Big 12 or Michigan State? I'm not really sure I understand that question, so I'm, I'm going to skip that one. Uh, what did... Uh, Okay, we got a hypothetical here. A high schooler has a good sophomore year, then gets injured, misses all of his junior year. What's the best way to regain exposure? Um, this really depends on, on when he gets healthy, right? If he gets healthy early enough to go and, and participate in some spring camps and some summer camps, then that's a really great way to get noticed. If not, then I, I think you really need to, uh, to make sure that you say, hey, uh, you know, get the word out that you were injured as a junior. You need to you need to start your senior year like gangbusters and and really have some good film as a senior. Uh, because if you don't early in the process, a lot of schools are, are just going to overlook you. That that's unfortunate. Your junior year is probably the most important year you have as a recruit, not your senior year, because unlike unlike baseball, colleges are pretty much moving on uh, to the next class by the end of your senior year. That they're recruiting some guys still. But a lot of colleges are, are not hardcore evaluating seniors after their senior season because their classes have already filled up. Um, who do you think will make it to the national championship? I I have no idea. Uh, there's a bunch of teams that, that certainly could. Off the top of my head, I'll go um, Alabama, Ohio State, Clemson, and... Um, I guess TCU, but you could also throw FSU or Oklahoma or Michigan or uh, maybe Notre Dame in there. Uh, There's so many, so many quality schools that, and I don't think there's any, there's no super elite this year that you're going to get criticized if you don't pick them number one. All right. So uh, let me see other questions. Where is T Higgins going? I, T. Higgins is an elite receiver. Um, I I still think Tennessee looks good for T. Higgins, man. I I, I know some people disagree, but T, uh, Tennessee has had a great tradition of receivers. Uh, Higgins is from Oak Ridge, Tennessee. I think Tennessee's going to have a pretty good year this year. Uh, Clemson also feels really good for him. I know that Florida State's trying to get in there on him, but... I, man, I I think Tennessee has an actual shot, too. Uh, we'll, we'll see. I, I know a lot of people recently have been picking Clemson for him. That's going to be a good battle, and I don't think that that's just going to go away all of a sudden. Um, can you explain the star rating system? Yeah, we well, yeah, certainly can. All right, so there are about 30 to 45 stars every year, and those are just the prospects who have both a high ceiling and a high floor, right? We know they have elite ability, and they don't have that much in their game that they have to work on. Four-star prospects are are just kind of a step below, right? They may have the same potential as a five-star prospect, but they may have more they need to work on to reach that potential, and thus that makes them a higher risk projection and not deserving of a five-star rating. Uh, On the other hand, there are some four-stars who don't have that crazy high ceiling, but they're already pretty much proven commodities, okay? Okay. And so they are very much sure things. And they may not be sure things to be All-Americans or first-round draft picks, but they may be sure things to be a three-year starter for you. There are some guys who are are, very, are closer to being maxed out in high school, especially some of your kids who are overage, your 19-year-old seniors, who, who already look like they've been lifting in a college weight program for a couple of years. You're probably not going to get that kid to improve that much once you get them in your program. But at the same time, he represents certainty, and in recruiting it's very important to balance potential and certainty, because if you go all potential then that sets you up for too much of this highs and lows stuff, if you go all certainty, you're probably just stuck kind of down here, and you may not have enough of of those those great heights uh, to reach Uh, question here how long will it take for Will Muschamp to establish himself on the recruiting trail at South Carolina, he's had some decent gets but when uh, I actually need to go ahead and Pull this up. Uh, Alright, I'm just going to go with this. Uh, I'm, I'm not totally sure what this question says. Uh, he's had some decent gets, but when will he be able to reel in those more elite players along with winning on the field, of course. Well, I'm going to pull up what South Carolina's, uh, what their new win total is. Uh, let's pull this up here and check this out. Again, the question is on South Carolina: When can they start? Uh, when, when can they start uh, winning big? Does South Carolina make a bowl this year? I don't know. Is South Carolina going to start recruiting really, really well? I I don't know. Okay, so here we go. South Carolina, and, and I've been pretty vocal on Twitter that South Carolina doesn't have a whole lot of talent, and that Steve Spurrier's last few years were, you know, it's great, it's a ceremonial send-off, whatever. He really didn't do a very good job of recruiting over those past few years. So when you watch it, the Gamecocks, it's going to take a while, I think, for them to build back and get truly elite kids. They're going to have to win on the recruiting trail by scouting well, by taking chances, and by by getting lucky with some kids qualifying some kids maybe growing more than, than they think, maybe get one of those kids that adds or you know a couple of those kids that that put on sixty pounds of muscle as opposed to forty you know those guys who were three stars who Alabama passes over and you, and you find some uh, you find some hidden gems there turn those kids into some wins and then you're gonna you know probably see some kids start to uh, start to, to look at South Carolina more if that happens now that's easier said than done. Uh, you know, Jim McElwain's doing fine at Florida. Tennessee looks like they're probably going to have another uh, um, another step up. They, they seem to have made steady progress under Butch Jones. I think Kirby Smart's going to do really well at Georgia. You know, at South Carolina to me is one of those schools that does not control its own destiny. South Carolina can be good if other schools in that division falter. But I do not believe South Carolina can be a top team in that division if other teams in that division are recruiting at peak capacity, I just think South Carolina lacks the tradition and the the, the success and the history to do that. Um, I'm sure South Carolina fans won't like that thing, but there are some schools that control their own destiny. You know, USC is in total control of its success or failures. You know, in the ACC, I think Florida State and Clemson are as well. Uh, in the SEC East. It's really kind of those big three powers that control their own destiny. You know, schools like South Carolina and Missouri and Vanderbilt and Kentucky are are not really in control of their own destiny. Uh, I hope that hope that's uh, you know, yeah. There's some shots being taken at Will Muschamp uh, in the comment section. I think Will Muschamp's a great defensive coach. I think he made some obvious mistakes at Florida and had bad luck. So he had bad luck and mistakes, and both those things were true. I think if he, if you asked him and you could get him honestly, he'd probably go back and tell you he would do a number of things differently at Florida. You know, I wonder if they would make him hire Charlie Weiss again. I, I, I bet you he probably wouldn't want to do that uh, if, if he was allowed to make his own offensive coordinator hire, and that set him back there a little bit too. I, it wouldn't shock me if Will Muschamp ultimately became a, a, a good coach. I think he's a, a bright guy, especially defensively. He's certainly a charismatic recruiter, uh, but especially on the offensive side of the ball, if you're an offensive recruit, you, you got to be in wait-and-see mode to play for this guy, right? Uh, uh, seeing all, all the talent that was wasted at Florida and the, and the recruiting makes mistakes that were made on the offensive side of the ball, it's going to take a little longer for him to get elite offensive recruits. Uh, do you see Auburn having a bounce-back year, and who in the SEC East will challenge for a conference title? Uh, I think your SEC East contenders are Tennessee, Florida, and Georgia in some order. Um do I see Auburn having a bounce back year? What did Auburn go last year? Seven and five, I think. They're over under right now, six and a half wins. So I think Auburn has a chance to go to, to beat that. And I think they have a chance actually to go like eight and four because I feel like that defensive line is going to be really salty. But they got to get the quarterback thing figured out. And if there's something weird going on with that staff where other coaches are not being trusted to give their input. I, I don't know how long how long a system like that can last, and and I am concerned that there's something weird going on with that staff because of how Damien uh, left for, bolted for USC. All right, let's see what else we got here. Any other questions Hold on? Huh? Phil Mickelson apparently just hit driver off the deck in the rough from the middle of some trees. That's. Uh, that's kind of a move you do when you when you find a ball that that you know is kind of a little half rotted and stuff, right? Just playing around. With... Okay, got another question. Cool, we can we can keep talking football. Uh, how do you rank the Sooners? I think Oklahoma is going to be really good again because they obviously have a really good quarterback, and I think they have, they're really well coached. Oklahoma is one of those teams just consistently very good. People have have looked at them as a bit of a disappointment in some years because of the whole. Um, uh, just Bob you know, they would lose three games, two games, four games, that type of thing, and they never really got back to that national championship mode that they had in year two under Bob Stoops. But at the same time, you have to recognize consistent excellence, and certainly Oklahoma has maintained that. Uh, I think Oklahoma is probably my co-favorite in the Big 12 to win uh, along with TCU. Now, does Oklahoma have enough talent to win the national title? It didn't look like last year when they played Clemson. Clemson beat their butts up front and, and just made them look slow and unathletic and weak. Um, but who knows An off season lifting, they had some young guys up front. I think it's certainly possible. Uh, thank you for the insight, insightfulness. Go Irish. Hey, Notre Dame, we talk about them a lot because they're good recruiters. If you recruit, well, we talk about you an awful lot. If you don't, well, then, then we don't quite as much. Uh, uh, any news on where the Baylor 2016 class is trying to transfer? You know, I'm, I'm just going to elect to not talk about Baylor on a, a live video thing. Cause I don't want to say the wrong thing or, or not give enough perspective on that. Uh, I feel more comfortable handling any sort of Baylor stuff in, in more of a written format that you can read over a couple times before you hit publish. Uh, live is, is very much live. Um, by the way, Cam Akers, uh, or a uh, Georgia hat to the Rivals Challenge for all you folks who like to cover or like to pay attention to what, what hats kids are wearing and what kind of clothes and what gloves and stuff. Um, any more questions you guys got, certainly we'll take them. I think we're about 40 minutes in here. I'll probably do another five minutes if we get more questions, and then i I got some, some stuff to do on this Friday. Hope everybody's going to have a great weekend. Uh, do you think Louisville will win one of the games uh, against FSU or Clemson? I think they're the most underrated teams. I agree. I think Louisville. Uh, first of all, I think Louisville is the third best team in the ACC. I think they would win the Coastal Division easily. I think they're. I think they would win the uh, Big Ten West. I think they would contend in the Big Twelve, and I think they'd contend in the Pac Twelve. The problem is, not that the ACC is an amazing league, but there are two true elite teams in that league. So, um, you know. That's that's a tough spot to be in to be in that same division. I would say if you do the math on this, let's let's give them about what a a thirty-five percent chance in one game and like a forty-five percent chance in the other game due to the home road split. It comes out to about a fifteen percent shot for them to win one of those and and finally break through. So I'm going to say fifteen to twenty percent is probably fair there. Uh, Who or when will the Big Twelve add teams? I really don't know. I, I. the only thing I'll say about that is I feel like as cord-cutting becomes more more popular, market size is less important than actual fans, right? Like Rutgers was great for the Big Ten because they could put the Big Ten Network in New York. Uh, but at the same time, if you did that today, would Big Ten still take Rutgers if they didn't have the Big Ten Network? I'm not so sure because there just aren't that many Rutgers fans. Uh my, my editor here, Alex Kirshner, just dropped in a, a pretty cool note on uh, Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson, the quarterback for Louisville, is a total freak. Uh, I remember watching him at some camps, and there were a number of elite schools who were actually recruiting him as a receiver and a defensive back. He has that kind of, of athleticism to be able to play uh, a, a big-time position like that at a school other than quarterback. But Louisville showed faith in him as a QB, and I was shocked at how, how quickly they got him up to speed as a QB. He was raw as hell in high school. Uh, How about Texas? You know, I think things are really starting to break. They're starting to break better for Texas. I I wrote a piece this summer about how kids are are in wait-and-see mode with both Texas and Texas A&M, and uh, and kids really told me that they, just in talking to them, they they preferred Charlie Strong to Kevin Sumlin. They thought he was more genuine. They liked his family feel. They thought they could trust him more. And there was certainly a feeling about A&M with Kyle Allen and Kyler Murray transferring out that there was something wrong at A&M. Uh, now, and I wrote that because I talked to, I mean, most of the elite kids in the state cro- across a couple weekends. And A&M fans got all pissed off, but I'm just writing what what, what I'm hearing. Uh, I think Texas could really have a, a nice year on recruiting trail if they can win enough ball games, And that, that's the whole key. Texas, already their, their game against Notre Dame, the spread on that one is very small. I think it's like less than a field goal. So that suggests Vegas thinks they might be better than some people think, that, that opener against against Notre Dame uh, is in Austin. Texas's uh, win total this year is 6.5. If Charlie Strong can go over that, if, if he can go 7-5, and five, I think there's a good chance he stays, because I do feel like you're going to have a lot of turnover in the state of Texas this year. Who knows what the heck Baylor's going to do. A&M very well could have a new coach. Uh, we don't know where the Houston coach is going to go. There's certainly a possibility for Texas to clean up on a recruiting trail this year and compliment the great finish that they had to the 2016 20, uh, 20, uh, cycle. All right. uh, who has a stronger finish, Ohio State or Alabama? Go Bucks! I think they're both taking somewhat smaller classes. Um, hmm. I'm going to say Alabama just because, number one, I feel like an idiot if I pick against them now because they tend to always make you look wrong when you do that. Uh, they finished number one for about a zillion years in a row. Number two, there's a lot of coaches in Alabama's territory who could get fired this year. You know, Gus Malzahn could be gone. Les Miles could be gone. Um, you know, who knows how long Dan Mullen's going to be at Mississippi State if he has another nice year and some some bigger school comes calling. So because of the uncertainty in some talented areas with those head coaches and Alabama's proximity to those areas, I think I'll, I'll go ahead and take Bama there. But Ohio State... Has been the second best recruiting team in the country for quite a while, uh, and looks like they're going to have another great class. I know it won't happen, but solely competition wise, what's your opinion? Uh, uh, what's your opinion of Notre Dame going to the Big Tw- or the Big Ten? Would that make the Big Ten the best conference? So that would give the Big Ten, Ohio State, Michigan, Michigan State, Penn State. Notre Dame, Wisconsin, Nebraska, and Iowa. To the extent you you want to count Iowa in there. They they had a nice year last year. I think it'd be right. I think it'd be really close. Now, the SEC would still have, I think, more talent overall because the bottom of the S- because the bottom of the SEC is, is just better than the bottom of the Big 10. I mean, the bottom of the Big 10 has Purdue, I don't think there's anybody in, in in the SEC that's as bad as Purdue. Indiana has been pretty terrible for a while. Like they 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 score a lot of points, but their defense is just it, it's an abomination. It's it, it's hard for me to watch that. It, it's pretty ugly. Um, there's a lot of bad teams in the Big Ten. I think that the top of the Big Ten would certainly get better. Now, if the Big Ten could like add Notre Dame and kick Purdue out and stay at 14, then I think they might have a bit of an argument to compare it to the SEC. Uh, do I think satellite camp should stay? Yeah, I think, I think they're fine. Now, I do think that satellite camps open up a lot more opportunities for shady third parties to get involved in these kids' recruitment. And I'm not against kids getting paid in recruiting, but I am against these kind of weaselly dudes who act as these kids' agents and then end up taking all the money that's supposed to go to the kid under the table and keeping it for themselves. Because there's really no recourse if you're a kid to do that, because you can't really go turn the guy in and say, hey, I was supposed to get legally paid here uh, from from the school or from this booster and the guy who they funneled money through ripped me off uh, and I think when you look at some of these camps we need to take a good look at who is running these now if they're at a high school that's one thing but some of these organizations we've seen in the past have turned out uh, you know really to not be all that great for kids and some of them we've seen the founders run off with all the money uh, it's just there's some sketchy stuff there I would like to see some regulation that you can't I would ban satellite camps uh, the satellite camps run by non-high schools. If you want to have a camp at a high school or at another college, I'm okay with that. I do think that opening the door to let like independent third parties who really are not under NCAA control run these camps is potentially dangerous. John Kennedy asks, uh, why is Oklahoma killing it and recruiting right now? Well, uh, I would say that they have been consistently really good on the field. you got some turmoil at the Texas schools, Texas, Texas and Baylor, all different kinds of turmoil. Don't think I'm equating Baylor's turmoil with that other stuff. It, it, you know what I mean? Uh, T- TCU's probably the only real competition in the state that doesn't have any sort of turmoil going on right now, be it a coach's hot seat or whatever. Uh, and Oklahoma's been winning ballgames. They have great facilities. They have a really great coaching staff. Why would they not do well? They've had a little bit of resurgence in Texas, uh, and they've also done a great job in the Fresno area. Um, where do you see Notre Dame going when the contract is up? I, I really don't know. I, 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 that's How long is their contract with the ACC? Like 10, 12 years? I, who knows if I'm been doing this job in 10 or 12 years. So I'm going to say I, I, I don't know. Uh, do you think the ACC with the hires of Rick and Fuentes, uh, I think it's Fuente, uh, starts to move on the SEC Seems like the tide's about to turn. Uh, The Canes stock up, Louisville stock up, Tar Heels stock up. I'm going to say no. Uh, I don't think the ACC is going to make a move on the SEC at all because I feel like the SEC has so much more passion and and not only fans in the seats, but also financial commitment from the boosters. Um, Where do you see SMU? I, I don't know. All right. Hey, guys, my uh, my internet connection is starting to cut out a little bit. I really appreciate all the questions this week. Uh, we've gone uh, gone just over 45 minutes here, and, and hopefully we'll be able to do this uh, more often. If you enjoy it, make sure to give a like and and share it for all the people who couldn't watch it live so they can catch up on, on some of this great uh, recruiting info. Hope you enjoyed it.